Hello, Docolo. Welcome to the Documenteers, the podcast about documentary films, and I am your host, Bob Sham. Welcome back to another week of Listener Request Month, and we just want to say, what the fuck is wrong with all of you? I'm just kidding. We actually love this shit. This documentary, to be discussed, was requested from a listener in Georgia. I do believe, let's not leave the countryside just yet, because we're going to the wonder that is Southern Illinois, and director Steve James is gone to reconnect with a former kid he mentored in the Big Brother program. This boy is now a man, and his name is Stevie, and he ain't known for his long division, if you know what I mean. In fact, Stevie has been through some horrendous shit, and these vicious cycles come out in really bad ways. Also, there's a lot of, what the fuck did they just say, going on here? Ginger's with me to discuss the documentary Stevie by Steve James, and you can find it on Tubi and Prime. I should forewarn that this documentary and episode you're about to hear discusses the subject of childhood sexual abuse. Just want to arm you with that information. Next week, we end Listener Request Month with our most requested 30 for 30, and oddly enough, it happens to be the 30 for 30 that was next in rotation. Drew and I will be talking about that strange time when... Basketball player Michael Jordan's dad was murdered after Michael won his third straight NBA championship and then quit the NBA to go play double-A baseball with the Birmingham Baron. What an odd time for sports fans. We end the month of you with the Ron Shelton ESPN documentary, Jordan Rides the Bus. And all that whiffing on breaking balls happens next week right here on The Documenteers. Brief clips of tunes you hear are some fun 90s throwbacks. The Macarena, remember that shit? It was everywhere. And that Whitney Houston remix of It's Not Right, But It's Okay. And that's pretty much it. Documentariespodcast.com for contact info and more. Five stars in a review on Apple Podcasts are our only fetish. Nothing else can get us off. That's what we need. So help us out by doing that. Thank you again for all the listener requests a month recommendation the ones that didn't make it might appear again before too long but let's get into this wild ass documentary keep on docking here is a motion picture film a thousand feet sixteen thousand separate photographs let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel walking down the road with the ratchet in your waist in 1982, while attending Southern Illinois University, I became an advocate big brother to Stevie Fielding, a troubled 11-year-old boy who lived in Pomona, a nearby rural hamlet. Ginger, welcome to Listener Requests Month. Thanks, Bobby. I'm so happy to be here. This, uh, what we're talking about today was requested by, I believe this listener lives in Georgia. I got them confused with someone who lives in, I think, Seattle or something. All right. That's an easy mistake to make. Sure. People do it all the time. But yes, this person recommended the film Stevie. And I gave you the choice between this and Jiro Dreams of Sushi. You did. And... 
spoiler alert, they're very different films. <laughs> uh, could very not be different. Could not be more different. Yeah. Uh, but I got William to actually do Jiro. That's what me. I hear. And, and I hear it, it was a lot of fun. I think it worked out. A nice special edition episode. Yeah. Just an old friend of ours. Listen to that if you haven't already. But this one, this is one of those documentaries where I'm like, am I going to clip everything? Dropped a tractor tire on you? Yeah. We came in from Bruce Hogan and we was checking it up and we got the tire off and it hit my knee and whenever it landed on it, it popped. Oh my God. And you could. You, you really could. could. Yeah. There's something very intense about this movie. It's called Stevie. It's directed by uh, the director Steve James, who's who directed Hoop Dreams, one of his bigger docs. And uh, also we did a 30 for 30 called No Crossover, the trial of, trial of Alan Iverson. Steve James directed that. Stevie. Thank you're big enough. Do it because when you put me down, you better kill me because if you don't, I'm going to kill you. That's what I told her right there in her own house. By Steve James. And Steve James is not the Stevie that the no. film is titled after. The no. subject is named Stevie and the, the director is named Steve. Yeah. What's the deal with Stevie? What, uh, what, what's this? What's the deal? What's this, your surface look of Stevie? Ooh, to, to quote you, Bobby, who boy? Who boy? Stevie is um, a one could say troubled young man. One with, could say. One could say they could, and they are. He has had quite a difficult upbringing and a difficult young adulthood, um, and we kind of see. A little bit of background of him as a kid and kind of what his life was like growing up. And we really get to kind of see what his life is like in real time, essentially, as like a late 20-something-year-old. What is what is what was his youth like? Uh, it should be pointed out that Steve James what, was a, in the Big Brother program. Yeah, yeah. He was assigned to Stevie. And I guess Steve James had a connection with Stevie. Mm-hmm. Stevie's very troubled. What 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 are some of the problems he had as a child? Oh wow! Well, he bounced around like foster home to foster home, some more loving than others. Yeah. I would say um, he got into a lot of trouble. His mother essentially handed over custody to his grandmother, so his grandmother raised him. Yeah, or like um, left her, just left him there. I don't even think there was any formal paperwork. Yeah, it was kind of like she got back from vacation. It was like, oh, you you just keep Stevie. We do, we're just not going to take him. You just hang, hang on to him permanently. Yeah, I got a new boyfriend. We're yeah. fine. And he's got a, and Stevie has a sister who he sort of grew up with, and there were some incidents between the two of them, and his whole family structure which is very tenuous and kind of ever-changing, it seems like. It's just not very healthy. Um, and so he grows up to have problems with the law and it, it, to increasing severity, which we get to see some of that. There, the there seems to be some developmental issues yes. as well. And I'm sure a lot of that is caused by his upbringing and what he experienced to kind of yeah. maybe... Um, the intensity of what he went through, it could have very well have trapped, almost trapped you in an emotional amber. It's hard to stay. I mean, Stevie is such an extreme case, and we'll get into it here, where it's like, that one's gone. You know, it's kind of, you can't blame people in his orbit being like, this dude's a little, he's too done. It's like, what can you do? What could yeah. possibly be done? Yeah, and several times you hear people kind of refer to him as a, a child, a 12-year-old, like a suspended development kind of thing, where... 
almost justifying as justification or explanation rather of his actions that he's just not emotionally mature enough to understand what he's doing or to make the connection that what he's doing is wrong or harmful in some way he has the unbridled confidence of a true sociopathic idiot i mean truly like you would have to be he's very much trying to control all of his scenarios yeah but he's not like necessarily an an adept person in terms of like adapting to his environment. I mean, he's like a redneck, so he does what redneck things do. Yeah. But he all but he's also just like hard to handle even by those standards, you know, cuz usually most people you have a basic conversation with people, Stevie's just like when Steve James comes back, he, ta- he Stevie just goes right into t- stories about how a tractor tire fell on his leg uh, a story of redneck posturing where he's like i told this person i'd kill if you try to kill me then i'll kill you yeah i love the part where he says that's why i get my name snake from i ain't afraid of him never have been except whenever i was a kid no one calls him snake throughout the rest of this film no i think they kind of call back to it at the very end like towards the very end of the film, but yeah, I noticed that too. No one, no one calls him that. And I want to kind of go back and say that we learn that Steve James and Stevie were big brother, little brother. I think in like '85, and yeah. then Steve James didn't come back for ten years. Ten years, right? Yeah, and then and then again two years later. So we kind of see that reunion happen sort of two different times. This movie kind of spans a handful of years. It, At least it four years, I it, think. It does, and I, I found it a little bit confusing to kind of keep up with it, but I think, you know, I think essentially we're just seeing the initial reunion after 10 years of not seeing Stevie, so he's gone from like a 12 to 15-year-old or something to like a mid-20s. This story of magic and wonder occurs in southern Illinois, which isn't that far off from what it looks like where we live. True. Southern Illinois is like... You got Chicago, and then you got Illinois. Chicago. Yep. Chicago. Mm-hmm. We actually take a little trip to Chicago in the film at some point. Yeah, we, we do. Which is, yeah. I wonder if that's his first time. How it's, I mean, it kind of seemed like maybe it was. I mean, Stevie tells of how he was beaten a lot in foster homes. He was sexually abused. Yeah. They go to a restaurant called the Pioneer's Cabin Restaurant. Now, we see we're with Stevie a lot, and we're with a lot of Stevie's family. They all are constantly fighting all the time. Yeah, it's not a healthy family dynamic by but, any means. But Steve James, I think his documentary is doing something because when you pop in, like he, when his mother pops in, it's like, uh, this is the first time I've seen him in six months. Yeah. And it, and it happens to be on camera. You get this all the time. We also meet uh, Steve's fiance. Tanya. Tanya. Just because he wrecked my car, he drinks, and he does marijuana, that I can find someone else a whole lot better. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that see something there that nobody else does. She's very sweet, um, and she loves Stevie. She even says at some point, I just love him. I don't know why. We don't necessarily see them argue that much, but you kind of get the sense that maybe it's not, again, 
the healthiest of relationships. Right. Yeah. They're close. Steve's probably closer to Tanya emotionally than most other folk, but Tanya still seems a little more mature. Like she's not incapable of having like a realistic thought or statement to the situation. Right. But she doesn't just, but she doesn't do anything about it. No. And then you see her mother kind of like, you know, we, I think we see her mother once and the mother kind of makes it a little bit clear that she's not happy that Tanya is with Stevie. And can't the, blame her. Right. You can't. You really can't. And you know, she obviously does not approve of a lot of the things that Stevie does. Of course, Tanya says it's because he smokes marijuana and I think maybe uses bad language or something. But yeah, I, I think it goes a little bit deeper than that, honestly. He smokes that weed, gets that on weed? that marijuana. <laughs> he's on that marijuana and whiskey. He gets crazy. Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> gets on it. These are clip. This is a clip gold mine. This whole <laughs> this whole goddamn movie. I don't know what measure of restraint I can really lay down here. Should you? Should you practice any restraint? I think not. Stevie married a woman named Judy when he was 19. That happens to be also the name of Steve James's wife. That's true. Yeah. Stevie said he was 19. That she was 34. And Stevie admits to domestic abuse. He freely admits to, he confesses to everything. And I asked her that one time, I said, you ever been hit by a guy? She said, no. I said, well, now you have. I'm not like these other men that you can run over and just push around. I said, I'm a self, but I've got a temper. And he, he talks does. about it was in this sense that was like, I'm just a damn tornado, you know, and you don't jump into a tornado. Why are you doing that? I tried killing her one time. Did <laughs> what? I tried to kill her one time. I went up underneath the car and I thought I was cutting the brake lines. Instead, I cut the whole wiring system. Country boy can survive. Steve James asked him if he's in love. Are you guys in love? Pretty much. So far, so good. We could be dealing with true psychopathy here. Yeah. And and a lot of that may just have been developed in him because Stevie has had a hellish life. And you understand in the context of that why Steve James, if you are like a good person who wants to help someone, why you would want to help this person. It's a little bit funny in certain parts, like these weird comical aspects. Of, well, he says it so casually. Yeah. Attempted murder, but I accidentally hit, cut the headlights off. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's just... So absurd, yeah, that it's almost comical. I, I, I agree. But Stevie uh, assures you that people's changes. People's changes. I never even thought they'd even have kids. I mean, people changes. And then suddenly we get Steve James going, okay, I didn't come back for two years. Now I'm back again. So yeah. two years have passed. And uh, get ready for this, y'all. Uh, Stevie has been jailed. And he has been charged with the molestation of an eight-year-old cousin. Also, I should point out, this movie's two and a half hours long. We're 12 minutes in. I really, you know, I really went on an emotional journey on this film because I got through like a third of it and I hated it. It was depressing. It was triggering. It was, I was just so angry about it all, you know, and... And like you said, it's like 12 minutes in. I'm like, I feel like, are we almost done with it? No, it's 12 minutes in. <laughs> we have, we have almost the entire movie to go. But yeah, I mean, a lot gets covered in that first 12 minutes that it's just like, you're like, whoa, okay. Now we're finally getting to like some real, some actual story, even though you felt like you've already been like on a huge journey so far. I thought based on the trailer that we were going to get into, like it, 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 it seems to posit that she gets crazy. Like it's, 
the wonderful whites of West Virginia for a minute, and then yeah. something fucked up happens. Right. And so you get the vibe that it's going to be like a climactic moment. No, it's just like it it just happens. Mm-hmm. And the whole rest of the movie is dealing with this fact. It is. It's like a slow burn, yeah. We start really getting into the rest of his family. Yeah. His granny, who's really like a step-grandmother. I don't even think they're really legally connected, technically. No, she is the mother of... Of Stevie's mom's boyfriend, so like so Stevie's time. stepfather. Yeah, it's it's his parents. If that makes sense, hopefully that makes sense. This lady reminds me of my granny. Yeah, hands down, it is like uncanny. All the way down to making excuses for individuals who, on any other day, are probably threatening to kill them. Yeah, and then be like, but he loves. It's there is. It's hard to explain this kind of a situation. She says that. The mother of this child framed him. Or that his mother framed him. Like, some of these accusations don't make sense. Yeah, there's a lot of excuse making happening. His mother's got a lot to answer for, but she seems to become the default for everyone's anger in terms of anything. But we hear that the mother actually visits Stevie regularly and goes to the jail and gives him some commissary money and shit like that. Yeah, and apparently this is like a really... like I think you mentioned before, it's a very new situation where she's coming around like she stayed she stayed gone so long and then kind of suddenly she appeared back into his life from what we can see the sister is also angry at the mother even though she got maybe more attention but she saw the flaws in her mother and she she maybe didn't get him in the same way maybe stevie got more of the neglect side and she just got it was maybe not good if you weren't neglected maybe like in some senses Having her around a lot wasn't good either. And But we get a Stevie's apology letter. I was teaching her about things that happens in life. I touched her at the top, chest, and at the bottom, Virginie. I'm sorry for what happened. I didn't mean for it to happen like that. I need help and I will get help. I'm sorry for what happened. I made the statement on my own. Stephen Fielding. People deny it. Stevie denies it. He, he he provides an odd excuse. I never once doubt that he did it. Like right. from this point to the to any part in the rest of the movie, even though people are denying it and saying people were framed or trying to posit some scenario where it could be misinterpreted. I think eventually we get to people kind of resigning to the fact that he did it and like kind of moving forward, admitting that he did it. I think it, it takes a while, but we, I think we eventually do get there. Tanya is still with Stevie, and the parents are like, okay, huh? Here, right? And they're like, no, if they let him out today, he'd be dead ass drunk tonight. If he gets out of jail without going to prison, will you be there for him? Would you let him in? No. Steve James is trying to find something. At least to find some measure of fair representation for Stevie. Right. He has concern. I think he just feels a little bit responsible. Like, he's just one of these guys that's like, it's not his fault. No. He's one of the few people that tried anything. Yeah. Is there anything I could have done here? You yeah, know? it's it's really interesting. I found I found his relationship in, with Stevie to be very interesting. And his kind of like, and you, and at least the way we saw how he would he was handling it. That he did feel some sort of responsibility there, but he also seemed to be way in over his head. Like, did he ever imagine he was going to be caught up into this kind of story? Probably not. But yet now he's having to kind of like 
step in the middle of like this legal representation and on down the road he gets kind of like involved in various odd and potentially dangerous situations yeah. Yeah. on behalf of Stevie. So it's and he it even admits sometimes you know he, he he does have some guilt there that he maybe in a way abandoned Stevie or that could be the the interpretation of him like leaving his life for a while or whatever. So yeah, I under, I understand why he feels that way. Steve James, I feel like it's just his present his presence shows an alternative to the environments. Yeah, that Stevie saw, and that can be important in any other way, just to show someone that like I'm sorry about what you go through, but at the same time, you know, it just could foster more resentment because you never had anything like yeah. that. But Stevie is talking to Steve James on the phone, and he's like, I'm out of here. $100 cash, and I'm gone. He's now asking Steve James for money. Yeah. And I think Steve James kind of contributes to his prison commissary to get some sodas and shit. Yeah. But this is... But it's not normally a thing that he just hands Stevie money. No. And, of course, uh, his wife, who actually counsels... She counsels sex offenders. Yeah. Yeah. So she actually is very well versed in dealing with these kind of things. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, no, don't give him a hundred dollars. Apparently Brenda or Granny put up the bell. Don't really know. It's not that clear. No right. one seems to confess to that. Now Steve James talks to his grandmother and is like, you know why? He's it's amazing how he wa Steve James is letting everyone know what he thinks about every situation here. Yeah. It's actually very important. Yeah. And, like, he's kind of that, the, he's someone who cares, but he's not, like, in the middle of it. He's just kind of in the orbit, and he just comes in, and he's like, hey, you know why I didn't do this? And she says something along, this is like some shit my grandmother would say. I said, well, Stephen, I said, he's got a family. I said, he's got three kids, and he's got a home to keep, keep up and all, and I said, he can't afford to do it. But, you know, that wasn't the reason. Judy and I discussed it. And you know what Judy does for a living? Do you know what she does? Mm -mm. She's a counselor. She works with um, sex offenders. Judy and I talked about it, and um, I think he's guilty. I don't want him to go to prison, but I, I worry about what he might do when he's out on bail. And he blames his mom for this. And she's the one that got him up there to babysit, and she knowed better. That part was really interesting to me because she says the thing about, oh, you couldn't afford it, and trying to kind of like, I don't know, maybe she feels like she's letting him off the hook or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as soon as he says, I think he did it, she looks away. Like, you can just kind of tell, like, she just, she's struggling with herself in that situation. Like, I think she probably feels like he did it, but she's doing everything she can to deny it i've often wondered this in regards to my grandmother and her relationship with other relatives is like is this level of denial a way to assuage a, a level of guilt yeah like maybe you feel like because admitting that all th this is you know she's all, she's making excuses for him and granted most people ain't making excuses for him right but she's the one doing it yeah and he probably does love her more than anything but like is she is this deflection just a way to let herself off the hook the best she can. Yeah. And it feels like that. You know, because the minute she did, she admits it, then she has to admit a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I found that dynamic to be really interesting. We talked to Wendy, the victim's mother. Yep. 
And she's fucking, I mean, you can imagine how upset she is. Yeah. And guess what? Steve's mother, Bernice, is like standing in the kitchen with her while she's going off. I trusted him along with my children, and he took advantage of it. Mm-mm. He sat in a fucking chair for over two hours, determining whether or not he was going to teach my child something he felt she should know. And he wanted to be the one to do it. A sick shit uh, Stevie is, in her yeah. words. He was her predator for over two hours beside, before he got a stiff dick and went after her. Talk about how he had a hard-on, how he threatened to kill her. He had a hard-on. How can a 26-year-old man have a hard-on for an 8-year-old? This is something you actually don't get very much in documentaries. It's someone sitting there going... What is all of this for anyway? What's yeah. all this for anyway? <laughs> it's true. What yeah. good does this do anybody? Mm-hmm. And Steve is trying to explain. I think he does a pretty good job. And he says, he I'm not here to grill. I want to tell the truth about this as plainly as I can. But I don't want Stevie to suffer any more than he already has. And I'm not here to grill Bernice. And then a narrative goes. <laughs> then I proceeded I to know. do just that. Yep. And he did. He's like, what were you doing then? Where were you? Yeah. She said, he, he asked, did you beat Steven? And she'd be like, I whipped him. I whipped him. Which, I got whippings growing up. Yeah. Um, but bringing up Steve's dad did not want to go into no, that No, she all. would not. She would not go there at all. As we understand it, she was dating a man who was married. Didn't know he was married and got pregnant by him. And I'm sure the relationship ended very quickly after that. You know, you've heard the story before. She wanted someone, and the resentment is then probably taken out on the child. Yeah. And uh, Stevie's rolling around the cemetery with a four-wheeler. Country boy can survive. Like uh, rolling over graves. <laughs> after Stevie's dad, which is actually his grandpa, who was married to his granny, but not the but step-grandpa... Uh, you know, this is country-ass shit. Died when he was 12, and he'd been in and out of boys' homes after that, so I guess grandmother couldn't handle him by herself. Yeah, that... I feel like that wasn't fully explained. It's like the, the kind of the timing with all that, but I guess you're right. I think that's... I think you're probably right about that. I'm guessing she just couldn't... She couldn't control him. Yeah. All she could... She could make excuses for him and uh, be nice to him, and that was enough for Stevie, but... That positive relationship didn't necessarily result in him being a positive person out into the world. Yeah. Stevie's just full of excuses for every little thing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. You want to kind of um, throw logic onto Stevie, but there is none there. He's like an animal going to the laser pointer, like a moth to the light of whatever. Yeah. And anything, he's he's purely reactionary. And, I mean, he's stupid. He's he's not a smart man. I am not a smart man. No, he's but not. But I do know what love is. <laughs> that was Forrest Gump, everybody. At least Forrest was raised right. He was, yeah. And it, and it served him well. Mm-hmm. But Stevie, Stevie is like a, a sociopathic Forrest Gump. Truly. Oh, okay. That's a good band name. (laughs) (laughs) Bernice was the one that gave him to the state. And uh, he said in the first foster home he went through, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, and we actually get to see them later on in the film. The second one is where 
uh, terrible things yeah. went down. Yeah. Which obviously, this is the start of the cycle, it would seem. I think Stevie connected with kids on an emotional level because he wasn't emotionally at an adult standard. Yeah. But Stevie's a grown man. Yeah. So it kind of looks like if he's running around with kids, they almost seem like peers. But yeah. the, But he's a grown man with grown man feelings. Yeah. Thus, his connection with that can turn very inappropriate if you don't monitor the scenario. And, you know, that mother of the victim was very outraged because she said she trusted him. It kind of seemed like, uh, I maybe my intuition is, I don't want to judge anyone's intuition here, but I feel like if I was around Stevie, of course I didn't grow up around him, that, like, I don't think I would trust him at all, just in a... In a pure flash judgment scenario. Well, I think, you know, and, and, I, and I can't remember if this came out in the film or if it came out in a, like a follow-up thing I saw with Steve James where he kind of did like a talk to the director kind of thing. But Wendy, the mother of the victim, she she says that any interaction she had seen previously between Stevie and the kids was completely appropriate. She had no red flags whatsoever. Their time was relatively limited they did not live like necessarily close together sure so she you know they just didn't have a whole lot of contact but she just didn't have any other reason to think that anything would happen and she and they didn't she didn't know until later that stevie had had some history with his own sister yeah and some abuse that happened there as well and had she known that she wouldn't have made the choice to you know, let Stevie babysit. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it's I think it's safe to say that she's in no way responsible for her child being abused. Yeah. Um, she just, she didn't have all the facts, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Brenda, his sister, who he had those, but they're still connected. She gets a social security check, I guess, somehow. Yes. She's the beneficiary, yeah. Yeah, and so... For the payee. Like, oh, right, you, right. So that's how it. Stevie gets access to what little money he can. Yeah. She talked about a time where Stevie threatened her to hurt her animals if she didn't give him $45 for weed. Man, it's too bad. Obviously, weed doesn't work to calm him down. Otherwise, you would just ply him with endless amounts of weed. <laughs> but Stevie confesses... We have our differences. I was going to knock her in the head one day out here beside the garage because she called me young retarded. I was going to knock her in the head with a claw hammer. This family is interesting because they do kind of make a lot of excuses about a lot of things. They deflect a lot, especially yeah. to the mother. And the mother, uh, she's not full of good excuses herself. No. But it's like, it'll be like this. Like if you bring up something like, did so-and-so happen? And they'll be like, well, well, he and she down here did all this down here. But if you go... But did that happen? Then they're like, yeah. Country folks can survive. <laughs> right, right. And because they kind of all seemingly think the same way, they're like, their environment sort of like everything's, everybody's kind of all the same, you know, where maybe they're getting like the same feedback about certain behaviors as being, it's like normalized, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that, of course, I mean, they're just, they're treating it like these things aren't a big deal because that's just how it's always been. It's yeah. just normal behavior. So Stevie, he goes to meet with his lawyer. God, he's so dumb. It's like he's on camera talking to the lawyer. The mm -hmm. lawyer's telling him, here's the things you shouldn't do. They're going to try and push for the felony because they have Wendy, who's putting a lot of pressure on him. She called down there this morning and threatened my sister. Uh -huh. Now, she's going to start doing that. There's going to be something done about it. Anything that you might 
try to do by way of contacting her could be misconstrued as you trying to harass her. So you in particular should steer clear of this. That's my advice, okay? That's legal advice. I'm missing my family, I'm not. Well, then you're ignoring my advice. Is there a, what, is there a concept here of trying to win a case? And the, and the lawyer's like, uh, I advise you not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you're also being filmed, you know, essentially. But Stevie's yeah. like, they're talking about plea deals in here. Because it's not looking good for Stevie. No. And uh, Stevie says, he ain't talking no shrink for no plea deal. And uh, Judy is someone that he could talk to. That's part of her profession, but she lives in Chicago. Yeah. And, but he ain't going to prison either. That's a suicide threat. That's yeah. a common way for people to kind of manipulate themselves into a situation. I think at this point, he is still kind of maintaining his innocence. Like I say, I think at some point, he stops doing that because it's just you know the case is just uh, the evidence and everything is just against him essentially so he essentially has to eventually admit his guilt but at this point he is saying i didn't do it i'm not going to jail for something i didn't do and he's really digging his heels in about that if he didn't do it he would have surely in the armed with what he feels like would be the truth would just be adamant and desperate to get this off of him he doesn't seem to give two shits about anything to his own detriment. We meet a Tom Hicks. He's Stevie's friend. There's two people that know what happened. And I'm not one of them. And that's pretty simple, isn't it? He goes on this trip where, in terms of what he knows or doesn't know about Stevie's scene, Tom's kind of trying to seem kind of uh, clever, maybe, yeah. or deep. There's nothing down here. Yep. There's not a damn thing down here. I've worked about four weeks, about a month this year. That's not very good. It takes more than that to get by. It doesn't matter. Maybe in his own way he is deep, like country I deep. I kind of felt that way, yeah. And holler deep. His own, his own brand of holler deep. Tanya confronts Stevie about that weed. He's crazy when he's on that weed and whiskey. I'd blame more the whiskey, personally. Mm-hmm. You probably shouldn't be chugging whiskey. They have a belated 26th birthday for Stevie. Oh, God. Bernice comes over. That's the first time she's seen Stevie in months. They present him with some cologne like you get at the Walgreens. Oh, uh, so my notes here say, most depressing birthday party ever. Awkward. Make it stop. It says, son, on your birthday, go for it. And I knew he would. Says, make today the best birthday ever. Happy birthday, Mom and Bobby. And then up here I put Stephen. Please remember, I'll always love you. Hope you have a happy birthday and many more. Love, Mom. Because it really was. It was just like <laughs> everybody's just like, here's your birthday present. Throw it. When Brenda like, says like little things, like Stevie says things like, Up yours, bitch. Fuck you. Up yours, bitch. Like he's just so passively yeah. insulting mm-hmm. when Brenda is questioning. And of course... Who knows more about Stevie's, like, fucking life full of fuck-ups than Brenda? Uh, Brenda has... She wants to have a baby. And she has a condition that makes it hard for her to conceive. Yeah. Endometriosis. And this is a part of Brenda's resentment with her own mother. Because she saw her mother as having the opportunity to be the mother Mm. and squandering it. Throwing it away, yeah. And, And she, Brenda, would be the best mother... And she can't even have a baby. Heartbreaking. You know, I really, I really felt yeah. for her. She's, you know, she's going to all these doctor appointments and really trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's painful. Stevie claims this is what he said happened. According to him, he didn't touch her. 
He said he picked her up and put her on the bed and spanked her because he'd let both of them take a bath together and they got into a fight and splashed a bunch of water out on the floor. If, if that sentence is, well, is true alone, inappropriate. It's not your kid. Why are you like yeah, spanking totally. other people's kids? Absolutely. Though that's kind of a weird thing, like in the country life that I can account for where it's like you'll get in trouble for something and a relative can assign someone like an uncle or a cousin to come and exact the punishment. Mm. There are There is some frame of thought where maybe people wouldn't think too much about this because uh, we don't see Wendy being like, well, if that's true, why are you touching my child like that? We never hear her say that. It doesn't mean she didn't think that. We just didn't hear her say right. that. right. But yeah, that was what he said was going on. And then I guess Wendy walked in on them or something like that. But that's what a weird, what a weird excuse by uh, a very not smart excuse. No, and you know, is an excuse. Is he? Is he? Is he intentionally trying to cover up something? Is he? Is that how he actually interpreted the situation himself? I mean, that's kind of the the question. It comes up, I feel like, over and over again in this film, is was he aware of his actions? And, I mean, I would, I say, yes, he was aware of his actions, you know? And yeah. um, there was no excuse for what he did. Stevie wants control, but he's not very good at, at um, he has this sociopathic confidence, but he's not very good at convincing people that he's an in-control kind of person. No, no, I don't think anyone is looking at him as no. like... But he still puts up this front, like this yeah. dumb, confident front. Yeah. So he actually does, he's just reacting to the moment. And because they're all fucking weak excuses and lies, he can't remember what bullshit he says because he says so much crazy bullshit. Mm -hmm. So he, honestly, it's he can't keep up with a lie. The truth is easy to remember. You can remember what happened. But Brenda, despite her history with Stevie, can't bring herself to believe that Stevie molested for all their turmoil that they have with one another. This movie, I'm pretty sure, was sponsored by Mountain Dew, by the way. Country boy can survive. I didn't even notice the Mountain Dew. That was, that's funny. Stevie, we see Stevie in the waiting room because I think Brenda's seeing if the fertility works, like, or whatever. And She's Steve got, I think she develops a cancerous growth on her ovary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Stevie's, like, loading up on Mountain Dew in the waiting room saying dumb shit. She's crazy for, for giving that bitch back there. Country boy can survive. Steve is constantly, when made to discuss like what his life is, Stevie blames everything on his mother. Every His mother is, becomes a tool for him to avoid explaining anything about what he's done or his responsibilities yeah. or dealing with his problems. And Steve James just is pleading with him to let things go. Just let it go. When but, then, but then if he lets it go, he's, then he has to face his own actions, you know? So it's easy to blame somebody else for your behavior because then that's somebody else's problem. It's not your problem. It's their problem, right? Country boy can survive. Yeah. Stevie and the lawyer one year later. I forget who he's talking about, but he makes this statement. He says... State's attorney, right? Right, he's the guy prosecuting the case. He's the chief state's attorney. Yeah, dickhead. I've heard a lot and, about and him on TV. Yeah, he gets on TV <laughs> on occasion. Yeah, he does. All right. Um, Mine needs a shoe. Well. well. I keep that to myself, though. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that <laughs> with the camera running. I might need to shoot him, but I'll keep that thought to myself. And again, the lawyer's like, uh, 
I advise you not to shoot someone or say that you're going to shoot someone. <laughs> on camera. This is on camera. Yeah. Uh, well, Bernice is churching down because this is, you know, it's a great way to deal with your own uh, uh, complicity or traumas to go to church. And you know what? If going to fucking church and putting your hands in the air can keep uh, Stevie at least one day away from a sociopathic moment, then let then let the Lord Get up in him, please. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take all these wheels. <laughs> and maybe separate uh, some people. Like, give them their own wheels. Yeah. Stevie said he would do counseling if he could move to Chicago with Steve James. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. He, they have three kids, by the way. Yeah, they do. And I'm sorry, no time alone with the kids. No. Ever. And they even say that at some point that, yeah, he's, they're not, that Stevie's not allowed to really be around them at yeah. all. Stevie, Stevie talks about how he used to have a temper. Mm, yeah. How, but now he just hits the wall. Because <laughs> that's normal. That's normal and fine and yeah. Stevie uh, did tell, I think Bernice says that Stevie told Bernice that he loved her. I think that's not something they say to each other very much. But guess what, y'all? Brenda is pregnant. Yay! There's and a, uh, there's they, a scene where they do the Macarena. Hell yeah. Never forget the Macarena. Never. The Macarena penetrated every, from the cities, from the biggest skyscrapers to the mm -hmm. rural valleys. The Macarena was everywhere in the 90s. Bobby's doing the Macarena right now. Folks. Yeah. I'll do it for the rest of the discussion. <laughs> do you know you, you can check your child's gender by pouring Drano onto pee? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Explain that one, Bobby. If, if it turns brown, I think it's a girl. If it turns blue, it's something else. Yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> Well, they talk about it, and then we cut to Brenda with a mason jar with a sizable amount of piss in it. That's a good amount. Pouring Drano into it. Mm -hmm. and, and what the, color did it turn? I don't even know. I think it turned brown. I guess so. Yeah. Stevie goes to church with his mother. Tanya's moved. She seems to be super into this. Then Stevie goes to Chicago. This hey. is a really interesting part of this film, I thought. I was hoping he'd meet like a Belushi or something. <laughs> is that what you were hoping for? Yeah, like a John Belushi would show Not John, uh, Jim. Mm, Jim yeah. Belushi would show up. Yeah. And maybe they'd do a bluesy jam together. <laughs> that didn't happen, though. Spoiler alert. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, they're staying with a lady named Patricia Downing, who has uh, some condition of her, her, of her own. She seems bedridden. Mm -hmm. uh, she gets pushed around in a wheelchair. It looks like um, some kind of like a, I'm not an expert in this, I could be wrong, like a muscular dystrophy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, maybe. Yeah. And I don't know if it's more than that. Like perhaps, I don't know. But Patricia is laying down the... Wisdom bomb. Let me tell you something about that racist shit you're mm -hmm. saying. Never know when you might need him. If you had a choice, who who could give you CPR? What if it could be a bad person? What if there was nobody else around? Would you rather live or die? Tell me. Yes, Queen. I loved her. 
She was so on point. I thought she was just great. Stevie talks about how um, that if he has a kid with Tanya, in front of Tanya and her friend Patricia, how he will keep the kids from Tanya's parents. Mm -hmm. This is narcissistic, sociopathic control. Oh, yeah. Please don't have kids, Stevie. Tanya and Patricia discuss the charges that Stevie is facing. Yeah. And Patricia is like, let me tell you something about what happened with me and my stepbrother. I literally thought I was going to die. It took me eight years to put my stepfather behind bars. Yes. Do you know what it feels like to be sexually abused? No. It's something that I have to deal with for the rest of my life. The rest of my life. Even though he's in prison, I still have nightmares. And also the scene we we learned, I don't remember us hearing about this until then, that there is actual physical evidence against Stevie. Yeah. Where they find, they found his hair. Yes. Um, And, you know, the friend keeps asking Tanya, was it his, was it his? And she's kind of like, I don't know. And then Tanya finally knows. she's like, Tanya's like, yes, it was his. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The deflect, deflect, deflect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That maybe it's just an environment of just denying all the bad things that are going on around you, making it normal that like it's just it becomes impossible to actually face the truth. So it's, it was really good to see that moment where she's kind of it kind of clicks for her. And then we see that, St that Stevie's actually kind of standing in the room, like listening to the conversation, yeah. just standing there listening. Which not, I thought was very interesting. Not threatening to stab anyone no, or anything. No, just listening. Which made me really wonder if, if he... I just really think that he has more of an awareness than, we, than what we see. He knows he right knows, from wrong. He does. He does know. Exactly. And all the denial and everything else is just a ruse. Like he... You know, whether he feels remorse for it or not, we don't necessarily see that. No. But he is aware. He is very aware. Yes. I don't, I'm, I don't get any remorse vibes whatsoever, to be honest. Right. He's either denying it or he's like just letting people talk about it and not yeah. caring, seemingly. Exactly. But you know what? Let's go off to the grand old Navy Pier in Chicago, which I was there uh, last summer. You know, you sure were. it's a touristy but fun place. And then we go to Steve James's home and Judy is, for obvious reasons, wary of him being around like yep. consistently. Yeah. But when Steve talks about all his bad shit, he's only confessing to like burglaries and stuff like that. He's not, he leaves out assaults and stuff of which there's many. Yep. It seems like he actually may have assaulted everyone but his grandmother. And far seems as we like know, yeah. far as we know, he could have assaulted her too. But Stevie says he ain't going down by himself. I want to reiterate again. That it's actually very common for a narcissistic sociopath to threaten suicide. Yeah. Especially when they don't really have anything to manipulate their people around them into like dragging them along just one more step. Yeah. It's actually a very common thing. It is. It's true. And I wish I point out that they eat pizza and it's squared and flat. You know, they say <laughs> that they say the Chicago style pizza is that deep dish stuff. And you know what? I think once in a blue moon that kind is fine. But the real Chicago-style pizza that a lot of locals swear by is square, flat. Flat pizzas cut into squares. Like a big rectangle cut up. Like, is it thin crust? Is it, is it thick yeah, crust? What is it? It's closer to, it's more of a thin thin crust kind of thing. 
Okay, okay. And honestly, I kind of like that crust uh, density. Mm. But look, New York does pizza better. Yeah, it's, I mean. They can have it. New York hot dogs are terrible, but... <laughs> The, yeah, I don't understand like those boiled. We're gonna get vat. some angry letters over that one, man. That's New a York, bold statement. I don't know why New Yorkers trip on those <laughs> hot dogs. Like, yeah, I can stick my hot dogs in bath water at home. <laughs> and you do. I just walked I by do. your bathroom earlier and they went to hot dogs in there. So they decide they're gonna go to the club. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey. Have you ever been to a dance club? Bobby. Uh, yeah, no, I don't really fit in very well there, no. and I didn't go that much in my youth. I think, honestly, okay. I would appreciate it better now, but without an army of fellow 30s to 40-somethings <laughs> with yeah. me, it's just not, I don't, I wouldn't mind, I'm like less opposed to going out and dancing like that right. now, but, but in a time where it was more appropriate for me to maybe even be alone in those environments, <laughs> right. I was pretty maybe a little snotty about them. Okay. You know? Did you have a signature dance move? Uh, I just let the wind and the rhythms just take me where they want to take me. Okay. It usually becomes akin to interpretive art when I get out on the dance floor. Just art with a capital A. It's not right, but it's okay. Wedding receptions, I'm guaranteed to dance at a wedding reception. I can see that. I can see that. Well, Steve James found out that Stevie was charging him for the beers and the... Uh, oh, I thought that the, 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 the film, the, the film like convinced uh, the club to let him drink for free, no? Maybe I missed miss that. Oh, God. No, no. The uh, God, that'd be a terrible idea. <laughs> no, no. They were just charging the production crew or Steve James himself. He was charging him for all the beer and oh tequila God. shots he was taking. Wow. And he's like all over the place. I love the 90s dance hits. I kind of enjoy <laughs> that music. Yeah. Uh, and Steve James made Stevie leave the club. And there's a scene where Stevie's just shit fucking drunk out on the sidewalk. Yeah. And Steve James is just kind of disgusted with him. And he admits. Back when I was his big brother, I had never thought of Stevie as a film subject. Tonight, it was as if that was all he was to me. I'm losing my uh, my empathy here by the minute. Well, any sort of like tenuous connection he may have felt with Stevie, like when you, when you got like a drunk person on your hands, like there's no like connecting with that person or like having any sort of like deep yeah. conversation or anything. So I can I could see how like it was just like barely know this guy, you know, and here he is like drunk on the floor and won't get up. And I mean. Drunk people are always annoying when you're not drunk. Yeah. It's true. just always it. I try to explain that to Angela when she goes <laughs> off for drinks after work. She comes up and smash. She's like, why, why don't you? Why? I'm like, oh, man, you'll understand when you're sober, but you're just not understanding right now. Oh, uh, Angela, we love you. <laughs> Brenda's husband, I should point out, is, br- is drinking Surge. Remember Surge? Country boy can survive. I do you have all like the the beverage and food, like hot takes. They were in this rocking. Film. They My were gosh. rocking big slams. Remember big slams? No. It was like a liter of like uh, Mountain Dew or Pepsi. Okay. That you would get. It was like a full fucking liter. They used to sell this like because sixteen ounce plastic bottles just weren't enough. No. You had to go. Grab a slam a big slam. <laughs> I remember me and my cousin Tommy used to walk up to the one 
little store in my unincorporated area of Southside, Tennessee, where I grew up. And we'd walk up there or ride our bikes up, up the road and get, get a couple big slams and slam those motherfuckers on the front steps of the Southside General Store. Country folks can survive. So it's like a big gulp then. Yeah. Is it the same thing? It was just like a stupid amount of soda for one person. <laughs> and every country person was like, y'all got to eat a Mountain Dew Big Slam? Big Slam. Come on now. It's like that Parks and Rec episode where they had like the the um, toddler sized drink. Yeah. And like it's actually the size of a toddler. But Surge, um, I believe, is one of the most caffeinated beverages of all time. Hell yeah. In terms of soda. And you can actually get the, get Surge at Burger King. Party. Can you? You can. Huh. We'll get some after this. Yeah, let's go. Stevie. I don't need to, don't need to sleep again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stevie is going to deny a plea. The broken prison industrial complex is often is forcing prisoners into a plea to keep them from maybe pursuing any measure of rights. Yeah. It just becomes easier for defense attorneys to deal with and just shuffle along the broken system. But it's necessary in the case of Stevie because everyone believes he did this. Even people who make half-axed excuses when pushed will say, yeah, he probably yep. did it. Yep. And even Stevie just can't even be bothered to defend himself some of the time. So Stevie should really take a plea. Now we meet this country dude. When we first meet this guy, his name is Greg. He's a blonde country dude. Mm -hmm. And he kind of talks a lot. They're going to know what you're there for. And the first thing they're going to do is go back and talk to a couple of their buddies. And they're going to say, we got a baby raper. If I'd have heard about it as soon as I got out of the joint, I'd have put a bullet in, it, put a bullet in you myself. And I've done told you that. Am I not right? You're right. 100%. If it was my daughter, he wouldn't make it to prison. I guarantee it. If it would have been my daughter, he would not have made it to prison. You ain't gonna live unless you wanna live. If you wanna live, you're gonna have to kill some people. Cause I beat three, I beat three or four of them half to death. Now I've seen what child molesters, excuse the expression, get in the joint. And you're gonna have to worry about knives this long. And they do know where to put them. I have seen their, their stomach cut wide open and I've seen their gut spill on the floor. I've seen it. The man's in trouble. It's up to me. He's in trouble. Hey, what, what wholesome club is he <coughs> a member of? And why is it up to you? Well, I'm running, a, I'm running Aryan Brotherhood around here. I would shoot this motherfucker in the head. And the only reason I haven't is because he points to Steve James that you have asked me not to do that. And then Steve James is like, well, how are you going to help him? How can you help him? I run the Aryan Brotherhood. Boo. Boo. Nazi alert. Scum fucking scumbag. And he says he can get Stevie in the Brotherhood if he beats the case. If you beat the case... I mean, isn't the point, I assume the point was that he goes into prison and is protected by the Brotherhood when he's right. in prison. Within prison, right. But if he beats the case, obviously. He wouldn't go to prison, right? Greg doesn't make any fucking sense. He's no. just a guy that babbles a lot and thinks yeah. he's smarter than he really is. But he's just a stupid fucking Nazi. So you're saying if he goes to jail, you'll kill him. But if he gets found not guilty, even though you obviously believe he did this. And Stevie is sitting there like a whip fucking dog. 
Just kind of listening. Yeah. yeah. And this is, suddenly Stevie's not some country-fied badass anymore. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess you would kill me. I guess you should kill me. Because this friend is taught this guy, Greg, you said his name was, Um, he's talking about all the the terrible things that would likely happen to Stevie in prison once the other inmates learn about why he's there. This you ba- know. This babblemouth racist moron mm. has this reactionary idiot to his heel. Yeah. And you can see how these organizations grow oh, by yeah. appealing to reactionary idiots. Because at first this guy's like saying like, oh, I'd kill you. I'd kill you if you did that to my kid asking the director. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'll lead the Aryan Brotherhood. And it's like, fuck yeah, you. Okay. Yeah. But Stevie gets baptized on a Sunday night. He's churching it. Hallelujah. There's some testimony, Lord. I'd like to uh, say thanks, Terry. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. He got me to come here. He told me it couldn't hurt me. Yes, sir. There <laughs> <Hello. laughs> well, I am. Um, I grew up being beat all the time by my mom, and I was taken away, and I really didn't get nowhere. I've not done too much of the hard drugs. And I've sat down and I've drunk about a half a gallon of whiskey a day by myself. And we've really parted. And it's been on three and a half weeks now since I've not had a drop. Praise God. We, we go back to Greg and he hands Stevie a bat. And what the fuck is he talking Explain about? Explain that if you can. I don't if know you if can. you can. <laughs> oh, damn. This is Louie. Sacrifice it. You want one, there it is. Now what are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with it? I can take that bat and I can crack anybody in the head with it and I can turn around and walk away from it. This board right here is insignificant. But if I was to take this board and whack you in the head with it, what would happen? Would the board hurt you or would I hurt you? You'd hurt me. It's material. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Everything in life is a material object. Okay. He asks him what he's going to do with it. Like, this is a weapon. What are you going to do with this weapon? What are you going to do with this? Like, what is the he f- giving it to take him to take it to, to prison? You can't take a bat into prison. Like, is, what is Is what he is like, happening? you need to go kill someone with it? Or what What the fuck? Can he, yeah, play, can he play a softball game? <laughs> I always did enjoy playing softball and baseball going through them homes. I always loved it. Okay. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Then we get a, uh, a car ride tour of Steve's past. The first foster home is now a business, and Stevie is outraged mm-hmm. over elements that he really shouldn't be outraged about. They just, they've literally destroyed every damn thing that used to be here. They ain't got respect for no damn body. This is where I spent six years of my life, man. Six years. This was home to me. It's not a home in there anymore. It's an office. Place moved on without you. Was it supposed to still be the exact same thing? Anyway, the guy has the emotional stability of a seven-year-old. He kind of rails on about people don't have respect for anything in this world and and this and that. Yeah, and Stevie's full of respect. But he find they find their old foster parents. I assume Steve James or, or the production company found them. Yeah. 
and they're really interesting people. They are. They live in a beautiful property, like on a lake, I think, in the woods, and it's very peaceful and serene. Stevie, when upon meeting them, or at least the way it's cut, you know, it may not have happened like in the first five minutes of meeting his old foster parents, but Stevie just starts talking about himself. Yeah. And he starts talking about the time where uh, he he tried to kill someone. I got tired of him one night. I decided I was going to kill him in his sleep. So I went to the kitchen. I got a big old butcher knife out oh, and a Steve, dish towel. No. Put the dish towel over and went to the Did bedroom. Did you? Yeah. I was put in handcuffs and took the juvenile, DLC. Sure enough. Stevie suddenly felt compelled to confess to them virtually all of his transgressions over uh, the years. Disorderly conduct, uh, assault and battery. Oh, we're making good choices then, right? He I told them told of his brief failed marriage. Busted her one. Yeah. He explained the attempt to I cut the brake lines to his mother's car. Yeah, you're a real mechanic there, aren't you? <laughs> Also, Stevie is holding a full two liter of Mountain Dew. Country boy can survive. Again, I did not notice this. Yeah. No. I, I, you know, I catch the sponsors Mountain Dew and Surge. <laughs> uh, Stevie confesses some of his charges, um, but not the, not the current ones. Nope. No, he kind of leaves that, leaves that out. They have old pictures. He was apparently with them for six years. A long time. And, yeah, it really, it really is. And when, you know, when Stevie takes inventory of his childhood, six years is a long time to be in any household. Yeah. And Steve James um, tells Steve's uh, old foster father about um, how Stevie was raped in, in the foster home after theirs. Yeah. And he actually, they're so honest. They're so straightforward. You mm -hmm. can tell these people have dealt with some... Really troubled people. Yeah, yeah. And he says, To tell you the truth, we caught uh, two or three times where that was starting to happen and we prevented it because he was just vulnerable. And so you do what you can to protect, but you, I can't guarantee that it didn't happen even while we were there. Like he was just very realistic about just it. Very matter of fact. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you can imagine all the things that they've had, had to experience and, and go through and just do the best they could and provide as loving and nurturing a home as they could. And, you know, and obviously they made a very big impression on Stevie and it seems like they did provide that kind of home to him. But, you know, wow. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. That is just incredible work. Angela and I have talked about being foster parents yeah. in the past and it's just like, yeah, I'd really need to charge my brain up for it. You, <laughs> absolutely. It's kind of the same. I'm really good with animals, and but I'm not going into the pet medicine field or pet care industry. Right. Because I'm aware of how sad things can get. Yeah. Uh, there are there are certain things in my life I think I would be good at, and I'm just like, I just don't want to be that de depressed. Yeah. And I imagine being a foster parent or working with animals can get very depressing. In fact, I've heard that it literally is quite heavy yeah gosh i mean i would imagine that there's a lot of burnout associated with those kind of professions too where it's very rewarding you know where you can be the best that you know, do the best you can do but after a while i would imagine it just really kind of wears on your spirit yeah like what can you do you know yeah. steve james is alluding to the old foster father about the charges but not coming out and saying them yeah. and the dad says personally i don't care what he did but i want to know should I be praying for him? Should yes. I be? Okay. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, so it, it appears that Steve James doesn't want to really, like, tell Stevie's business, so to speak, and, like, really, you know, maybe leave it up to Stevie to be the one to tell them what's going on. And it seems yeah. like he does actually tell the foster mom. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, it's, yeah. someone does. Yeah, somebody does. Maybe it wasn't Steve. Or maybe Steve kind of starts to talk about it, and then she comes and talks to Steve James to like get some clarification. But I think they ultimately get the whole story one way or the other and tanya's with them kind of hanging around yeah it seems it's one of the most serene times in the movie yeah and tanya i should point out is double fisting one mountain dew big slam in one hand and one pepsi big slam in the other hand country folks can survive okay doug's parents Oh, Brenda's having her baby. Yeah. Not the Tupac song, Brenda's Got a Baby. This is <laughs> a different song or a different person, different Brenda. But Doug's parents, I guess, didn't, which is her husband, didn't want Stevie at Brenda's birth. No, or Steve. Or Steve. Yeah, I think that, that right. I think we learned that, that she kind of like, you know, you guys need to stay away from us and so does Stevie. And and why not? And why not? give Let this happen in a separate <laughs> chasm it doesn't have to be documented uh stevie got a job at an apple festival in a small town but he kept getting arrested and drunk and fighting and it's just this timeline was interesting to me too because we learned that stevie actually i didn't know this was a thing postponed his like what is it arraignment what is it called like whatever he was his sentencing or whatever yeah i guess so um he had it postponed yeah. Um, which, like I said, I don't. I did not know that you could do that. But he hadn't postponed so he could be present for Brenda's, the birth of the baby. Yeah. And then you know he obviously didn't get to be there for that. But so in the in that time he got this job, right? Yeah, yeah. And then in a nearby town, uh, Murfreesboro, yeah. not like our Murfreesboro in Tennessee. Mur- oh, but Murfreesboro. M U R P H Y S Boro. I actually looked it up. Okay. But yeah, he got a job at an Apple Festival, but he kept getting arrested. And, you know, he was a carny, I, basically, mm-hmm. is what I gathered, which fits the bill, got to say. No no judgment, carnies. No. Nope. I imagine you're all on the road listening to podcasts. <laughs> Going to get some angry letters about that one, too. Yeah. Um, but Stevie finds out that Steve James talked to Wendy, the victim's mother. Stevie is pissed about it. And Steve uh, said, actually says um, that he wants to be a character witness for Stevie. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? I mean, I'd be a character witness saying, you probably shouldn't let anyone here. Don't let them be alone with children. Right. You know. (laughs) Yeah, I I was. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we don't. We don't get to see a lot of Steve James's kind of motivations. Or, like, kind of why he's doing what he's doing for for Stevie. So, exactly. Like, what what is he going to say? Like, you get a sense that maybe he feels like Stevie can be, like, rehabilitated from being a predator into not a predator. I, I, maybe, I guess. You, you kind of get the feeling that Steve James wanted to see if he could make something positive 
Yeah. He probably at some point realized that maybe on the surface that idea is kind of naive. But yeah. now he's just, the ball is rolling. Exactly. That's what, that's what I said earlier. He's like in over his head. Like yes. He stepped into something that he has no idea how to navigate. So he's just kind of trying whatever. And in one breath being like, yeah, he did it. He kind of deserves to be punished. But also at the same time, there's hope for him. Which, I mean, I totally understand that that is a viewpoint. You know, that people can be rehabilitated from their criminal behavior or mindset, whatever. And I'm guessing that's what he's struggling with. Uh, well, Brenda has her baby and Steve goes over to the house and he holds the baby. It is a sweet moment where he's holding the baby and he's like, Hey, got your new face here, don't you? Huh? Got your new face here, don't you? Got your new face. And it is kind of sweet, but at the same time, I'm like, he, can't, he really shouldn't be hanging with these kids absolutely yeah. it's like i'm think i'm wondering like as this child gets older and older too uh but still a child like what is brenda going to do she should know more than anyone but she still kind of you know makes excuses for her brother in the same way that sometimes his mother does and his grandmother does yeah. but like obviously there's vicious cycles occurring here absolutely yeah you cannot expect It'd just be stupid to expect something to, inappropriate to not happen if you don't closely monitor the situation. But Stevie has the last night with Tanya. Why don't you sit down and relax? Steve! Sit down and relax! Granny will not go to the sentencing. She just can't bring herself yeah. to do it. Yeah. Also something my granny would do. Stevie comes over and sits with Granny and Steve James and Tanya. They're sitting around the table. It's an awkward silence. Of course. I mean This could have been this is this is my grandma. This it is unreal how much like my grandmother this grandmother is. The silence is filled the awkward silence is filled with the grandmother talking to the dog. You love grandma? Mm -hmm. Now he's going somewhere else. He's wanting everybody to pet him. Are you grandma's baby? Or is my baby? Grandma's baby? You grandma's baby? <laughs> Trying to talk to my grandmother about anything remotely serious that she didn't want to talk about. Like, for example, dealing with some of her ailments and shit that she didn't want to deal with. She would often deflect by pointing at the dog mm -hmm. and being like, look at him. Look at him right there. So common. Yeah, I've got family like that too yeah we had time for a brief lunch at the restaurant across from the courthouse the, they had lunch <laughs> at the restaurant across the street from the courthouse it's a mcdonald's it's a mcdonald's yeah i love you know i don't mind some nuggets from time to time no judgment those fries Ooh. can you imagine the types of people that have gone in and out of that particular mcdonald's oh good point fascinating <laughs> i didn't even think about that <laughs> some of like the worst offenders in that on town. their worst day yeah and, like the family's worst day yeah <laughs> it'll go go noshing on some nugs before <laughs> getting sentenced to you know be on a sex offenders registry so stevie as far as we know never plead right but he's sentenced to 10 years yeah the plea called for 12 and i think they said that the judge was willing to give him six yep if he had shown remorse. Showed no remorse. But he, but Stevie intentionally, he chose not to kind of like make a statement. Yeah. Which 
I don't know if they say why he didn't. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But he, or he could, at the very least, read aloud the letter that he dictated or wrote yeah. to Wendy. But he chose not to, so they gave him four more years. So time passes. Steve James goes see Stevie in prison. Stevie looks pretty defeated. He doesn't look. He obviously looks a little. Um, I won't say rattled, but like he ain't got too much to say. He's not bragging about things how badass he is or anything like that. Brenda says that she loves her brother still. Maybe it's for the fucking best that he's locked away for 10 years because somebody's going to get hurt or or molested or worse. I mean, this is just... Well, he needed to be punished for what he did. I mean, he needed there needed to be some sort of justice served you know, for that on behalf of that victim. He's also in his like early 20s when we're seeing this too. Yeah. So he's very young. Maybe when he comes out of it, he could at least be a little bit older and calm the fuck down in some ways. I don't know. But it just seems like he was rigged to fall into this scenario of prison. Yeah, and um, and I think uh, right after the fact, so he was released um, October 29th of 2009. Um, and then I read somewhere, which yeah, I don't know how, how accurate this was, but saying that he was rearrested shortly after because he tried to move to Tennessee. But because he's a sex offender, he has he- to report where yeah. he's going to authorities and he didn't do it so that he was rearrested but that's all that's all the information i have well i mean that sounds right yeah yeah it does steve james talks to tanya i just don't want to lose him this i don't know what it is about stevie that i love but i just love him i don't know what it is i still to this day don't know what it is and i think no one knows what it is tanya I think mm-hmm. you're kind of lonely. Yeah. I think Tanya doesn't have a lot of options out there with uh, what she's dealing with on her personal levels. And the affection of anyone, even if it's fleeting and negative, might be something that, you know, she connects very quickly to. Tanya does kind of lend a little positivity kind of to the whole experience. She's talking about the, she's asked about the filming and she's like, I think this is the best thing that came out of it. Having a film that was supposed to be, like, I guess, between you and your, between Stevie and you, something came, something good came out of it. It's not really trying to shoehorn some, like, oh, buck up, sunny side up. It's not, it doesn't have that vibe. No. It's like trying to, like, find something... If the lesson can't be learned by the guy you want to know the lessons, then maybe the lessons can be learned by everyone observing the guy who won't learn the lesson. Yeah. But uh, Stevie is constantly segregated from general population. Right. So in a lot of his time, he is isolated. It seemed like this movie was made around the mid-90s, I believe, or mid to late 90s. Yeah, it was released in 2003, but obviously it was being filmed and kind of put together. I think it's like up to the end of the 90s where, yeah. where it goes. And um, so, yeah, that sounds about right, getting out in 2009. Yeah. But he, wouldn't, he wasn't going to get out early because he keeps making stupid fucking decisions. Yeah, he, he was up for parole, I think, in 2007, I think I read. and then, But he obviously didn't make that. Stevie uh, says he's been writing poetry and he's... And a, a, and a celly has gotten him into Shakespeare, Yeah, believe it or not. Interesting. And that's pretty much that flick. Yeah. Stevie. 
by Steve James. Mm-hmm. Fuck F- the Steves. All the Steves. Goddamn Steves. Oh, let's let's wrap this up. Let's do it. Ginger, we don't rate documentaries. Listener requested documentaries like this. Mm. Uh, in Stars, we rate it in Werner Herzog's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one through five Herzog's. You're going to have one through five Herzog's. Combined for best out of ten Herzog's. Ginger, your thoughts on Stevie by... Oh, man, I got to go first. Steve James, yeah. Woo! Yeah, so I I really went on a journey uh, watching this film. You know, I, I it sometimes hated it, and it was uncomfortable, and it was triggering, and but also extremely compelling. I actually, you know, I, once I kind of got through the first, like, third or so of it, it really became very compelling and just really fascinating and gave me a lot to think about, a lot of th- to think about people's motivations, and I think it's really interesting you know, the fact that Steve James chose to make this and how it kind of ended up playing out, whether he, I don't think he expected it to play out the way it did. So all that was very compelling to watch. And I think it was pretty well done. You know, I I think we talked about before not being a huge fan of like the director being so heavily participating in the film. Um, I didn't mind that because he was obviously a huge part of the situation. Um, So all that said, I think I will give it a four. Wow, four. I think so. This I might change my mind after I hear your... <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome to at any time. Uh, this kind of reminded me, last week's film that we discussed, uh, Brothers Keeper, I said, felt like what a documentary should feel like when you first think of a good documentary and how it's portrayed. I think Stevie has that same quality. Now, Steve James has some high documentary credibility. Hoop Dreams was a very well-regarded documentary. And it's balanced so well. There's no... I mean, you obviously you can judge as much as you want as a viewer. But from the director's side, you don't get the vibe that it's like, look at these uh, corn-fed morons. You know, it's not like that. And um, it's very sympathetic to what a lot of people have to go through. Even when you're maddened by the contradictions and the denials of these people in their worlds. And for me, it really fucking did hit home mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of that most other documentaries have not. There was patterns here that look so familiar, uh, unfortunately, in some ways. Yeah. And I don't know if you could make a movie like this better than this. And Steve James's presence and how he's observing it and how he wants to help it. There, you can you kind of respect him trying, but you know, real you re, you real you realize real quick that yes, like you said, he's just in over his fucking head, and he was probably in over his head when he was a big brother to little Stevie too. But he kept trying, and thank goodness that anyone's there to try. I won't put anyone down for that, but damn, I don't know someone like Stevie. Maybe the tiredness of age will calm Stevie down, but. No, no, he he did these crimes, mm-hmm. and he's got to do these times. Yeah. And it's true because it rhymes. <laughs> I'm going to give this, you know what? I got to go five. Okay. Uh, listener request month. These are some high-end documentaries. I think in the context of what this is, this world is, and how it's portrayed and the balance of director and subject, I think Steve James uh, came at it as best as you could, considering what he dealt with. Let me ask you this, and I'm be interested to to know 
if the listeners have an opinion on this, but I think there was some opinion out there that maybe Steve James exploited Stevie and his family a bit for the documentary. Like maybe telling them that this was going to be kind of like a reunion of sorts and then like it ended up getting really heavily into all these other things. I am... The jury is still out with me on how I feel about that, but I'm I'm curious to know what you think and what other people might think. You know, I mean, we talk about how Steve started one way and probably like was just in too deep. I think he did have genuine... He wanted to help where he could help if he could help. Yeah. I I don't think... And he's a director. He's a documentary Mm -hmm. director. This is what he does. So thinking about someone like Stevie or going back, I think maybe at the beginning of this, the idea of it maybe is slightly exploitive, like the conceptually going in. But but it wasn't... I could tell you being from environments that these people are also from, that this seemed incredibly real as far oh, as yeah. how people were. Yeah. It's it, it, nothing seemed rigged. Everyone seemed honest. Even when you wanted Stevie to kind of pull back a little bit, he fucking would not. He confessed to like half a dozen attempted murders, like in this alone, trying mm-hmm. to like impress people from like old foster parents and like lawyers on camera yeah, for his case. Would listen, really. Yeah. All it takes is a camera and, People like Stevie will kind of exploit themselves. And as far as like any money that was, I heard that actually there was a pretty decent box office of this for a documentary that made over a million dollars. What that meant to anybody else, I have no idea. It seems like this has a whole other story, uh, maybe beyond the film itself. Yeah. Where people are left looking at the pieces and making their judgments and deflections or whatnot. But if the family is upset that they were misrepresented in any way? Nah. You were, you were, that was who you were. So, so I can't speak to much more beyond that. Right. But yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I had seen that and it kind of gave me something to think about. Like The oh, question maybe. is fair. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So you're keeping your four? Let me, I'm raising my hand up in the air in a dramatic gesture. Let me bring it up to... 4.5. All right. Yeah. Take my five. <laughs> take my five combined with your 4.5, and that is 9.5. I think the exact same score as Brothers Keeper last oh, week. Oh, interesting. Look, I mean, the listeners know their docs. They do. I'm so glad this person recommended this documentary, and I'm glad that I stuck with it because it was really pretty incredible. I should point out that there's a lot of just moments in which maybe I wasn't supposed to, but I laughed. I was going to knock her in the head one day out here beside the garage because she called me young retarded. I was going to knock her in the head with a claw hammer. Yeah. Like, like oh, some sure. real country ass moments trying to like put a frog in your pocket and it coming out the hole at the bottom. <laughs> and just go, oh, that thing just jumped off. It's like psychopathic Huck Finn shit going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Another good band name. Yeah. Hell yeah. Psychopathic. <laughs> but that's it. Thank you, Ginger. Thanks, Bobby. And thank you, listener requesters. Mm-hmm. And keep on docking. I got so many notes here. I, I think I took like 12, at least a dozen pages of notes. I'm not going to say I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. Good. Because nobody needs to be lonely.
said, if you ever do that again, she said, I'm gonna knock your teeth down your throat. I said, if you think you're big enough, do it because when you put me down, you better kill me because if you don't, I'm gonna kill you. That's what I told her right there in her own house. People changes. If six of y'all went out, but he's on that marijuana and whiskey, he gets crazy. <laughs> That's where I get my name Snake from. I ain't afraid of him. Never have been, except when I was a kid. It's not I asked her that one time, I said, have you ever been hit by a guy? She said, no. I said, well, now you have. I'm not like these other men that you can run over and just push around. I said, I'm myself, but I've got a temper. Just, you know, some things you just don't say. She's crazy for forgiving that bitch back there. Back when I was his big brother, I had never thought of Stevie as a film subject. Tonight, it was as if that was all he was to me. We have our differences. I was going to knock her in the head one day out here beside the garage because she called me young retarded. I was going to knock her in the head with a claw hammer. Son, on your birthday, go for it. Says, make today the best birthday ever. Happy birthday, Mom and Bobby. And up here, I put Stephen. Please remember, I'll always love you. Hope you have a happy birthday and many more. Love, Mom. People changes. See, I'm moving on, and I refuse to turn back. Yeah. See, all of this time, I thought I had somebody down for winning. It turns out. State's attorney, right? Right. He's the guy prosecuting the case. He's the chief state's attorney. Yeah, dickhead. I've heard a lot and, about and him on TV. Yeah, he gets on TV on occasion. <laughs> yeah, he does. All right. Um, My needs a shoe. Well, well, I keep that to myself. You are making a fool of me. Oh. 
Eu faço, playing softball and baseball going through them homes. I always loved it. What is all of this for anyway?